There's some weird stuff happening in Nicaragua right now. Mm, do tell. Okay. Nicaragua on uh, November 7th will be going to the polls to elect their new president. Their incumbent right now is a man by the name of Daniel Ortega. Actually, he's a Sandinista, which I found very interesting. And it's the same party that the U.S. had big fights with back in the 80s. Ortega is running for another term. And he has been in and out of the presidency since basically 1990 until now. In and out? In and out. So he lost for a couple of years. I believe in 96 he lost. And then he lost again in 2001. And he got back in in 2007. Interesting. Okay. And he's been in there ever since. But a lot of people are crying foul about what's going on there right now. The U.S., who I don't necessarily always agree when they speak out against things, they said that this election has already lost all credibility it could possibly have. In a statement on Saturday, that would be September 18th, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the move to disqualify the Citizens Alliance for Liberty, the CXL, demonstrates that Ortega and his wife, Vice President Rosario Murillo, have a desire to remain in power at all costs. The United States views the regime's latest undemocratic authoritarian actions driven by Ortega's fear of an electoral loss as the final blow against Nicaragua's prospects for a free and fair election later this year. The electoral process, including its eventual results, have lost all credibility. And I found this crazy. So that Did means you... that they're like biased towards one of them? Not necessarily biased, but let's take a look. These are all the main candidates for the election. Okay, so we have lots of them. Yeah, yeah. Milton Arcia, who has resigned. Cristiana Chamaro Barrios, who has been arrested. Juan Sebastian Chamaro, who has been arrested. Arturo Cruz Jr., who has been arrested. Louis Fay, who has been exiled. George Henriquez, who is still there. Medardo Marina, who has been arrested. Felix Maradiaga, who has been arrested. Miguel Mora, who has been arrested. What? Daniel Ortega, who is just the incumbent. Oscar Sobavaro, who has been suspended. And Noel Vidare, who has been arrested. Hold on, what's an incumbent? That means he's the president right now. Oh, and he's the one running again? Yes. Okay, so hence why he's not been arrested. Yeah. Of all the candidates for president, seven of them have been arrested. In yeah, the lead up to the election. That's bad. Yeah, that's real bad. That's very bad. Yeah, there's a little bit more to this post. Dozens of opposition leaders and presidential contenders have been detained since early June in Nicaragua as the government rounded up individuals it accused of planning a coup against Ortega. But human rights groups and international observers have accused the longtime leader of increasing authoritarianism and seeking to clear the way of potential opponents in his bid to secure a fourth consecutive term as president in yeah, November 7th. certainly seems that way with the little information I have. Ortega's Sandinista National Liberations Front party confirmed last week that the 75-year-old would seek re-election with his wife as his running mate. And the wave of arrests has prompted the U.S. and European Union to impose sanctions and visa restrictions on Nicaraguan officials in recent weeks as they seek to pressure the government to release the detainees and ensure free and fair elections can be held. The political situation in Nicaragua has further deteriorated in recent months. The Council of the EU said in a statement this week as it announced fresh sanctions uh, against eight Nicaraguan government officials, including Ortega's wife. And the political use of the judicial system, the exclusion of candidates from the elections and arbitrary delisting of opposition parties are contrary to basic democratic principles and constitutes a serious violation of the rights of a Nicaraguan's people. I would say so. I need to learn more about this. Apparently there were massive protests in Nicaragua in 2018. And this is basically a point where Ortega did move to a more neoliberal platform, married himself more to the Catholic Church banned abortions, became more of an authoritarian. And, and in 2018, there were protests against him. And since then, people have been fleeing the country. So in 2018 alone, 30,000 refugees left Nicaragua for Costa Rica. Yike. So want to live it's, there either. it's in a bad way right now. Keep an eye on it. This will be coming up in the coming time, just after Halloween for everybody tuning in, just to keep it a little bit on theme. But not really at all. But not really. <laughs> It's just a timeline. Yeah. And it seems like we focus a lot on South American politics, more than most continents, but uh, it is what it is. I have never been there. So I feel I would be an expert on the subject for you to listen to. 
Right. Stay tuned. There may be more updates coming on this story because it is kind of wild. Well, there probably will be. And funny enough, the polls are saying like the Sandinista party is favored to win right now. And Sandinista is the one that seems to be jailing everybody. Yes. Well, I wouldn't. That's Ortega's party. He's the Sandinista party. Seems favored to win. Hold on. Is Nicaragua the one where they were running drugs in our last episode? Is Iran-Contra out of there? I think it was. Um, Yeah. So I do think that the Sandinistas have changed significantly since this time as like Ortega, who was in power in the 80s. Now he was an atheist Uh, at that time. He was probably in power when this was happening. He wasn't necessarily in power at that time. He He uh, he wasn't president until the 90s, but he was involved. Okay. Yeah. Probably if he's in politics. Yeah. But that's what I've got. It'll be interesting to watch for sure. Yeah. Okay, well, I sense an update episode happening. And with that, we can move lovingly into our music and continue. Lovingly, of course. Now. From the unexplained the mundane. Join us on our journey to the fringe. Oh, she still believes in trolls and magic spells and things like that. She told me about this troll that had red glowing eyes. And if he ever gets loose, he'll go after the children first. And he turns them into little wooden dolls, which gives him his power. And that ugly little rascal is still alive down there. (laughs) He can only be awakened on the night before Halloween. Like tonight. When a whorl... Like you. ...places his hand on a tree like this and says, Yea, I call thee forth, Trantor. But what are the chances of that happening? Hello, and welcome (laughs) to Journey to the Fringe, your host of the creepy, the bizarre, the strange, and the Halloweeniest scares that you can get this side of the Mayan Riviera. Hello, (laughs) my name is Taylor. (laughs) I am here with my creepy sister, Chelsea. Chelsea, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Creepy oh. just for the Halloween episodes, though. Yes. I think. Okay, good. Yes, I, I suppose. <laughs> and we are moving into a fun time in the seasons. The The leaves are getting a little crispy. They're turning colors. There's a chill in the air, and there's a spook in the unseen. Of course, we are talking about the month of October leading up to Halloween, where we will be talking about Specifically just creepy things or things that we feel fit the theme leading Hmm. up to Halloween. Starting with the episode that was aired last week, but we didn't start the episode with that. Yes, nor is it in order, so we don't need to worry about that. Exactly. Don't worry about it, everyone listening. So Chelsea (laughs) has taken the reins on this one, and we will be talking about the creepy forests of the world. That's exactly what we're going to talk about on this episode. So I've looked into a few haunted forests for you guys. I've personally never been to, I don't think, a single one of these forests. I don't think you have either. But once again, we are the people telling you about it. So exactly, we are experts. And if you've been there, please tell us if you have any experiences there. Let's go on a journey. Let's go to, I'd like to think this is probably one of the creepiest places in the world. And I know they don't celebrate Halloween really in Europe, but I feel like this would be the best place in Europe to visit in Halloween, which is Romania. This one is Hoya Bacu Forest in Romania. I hope I said that right. I probably did not say it right, but you get it. This is also known as the Bermuda Triangle of Transylvania. Like I just said, you say Transylvania and that's enough creepy vibes just when I say Transylvania, but it does go on from there. There's more to it than just being in Transylvania. So Hoya Bacu Forest, sometimes it's just referred to as 
Hoya Forest is a wooded area mm-hmm. atop some high ground amid a cluster of small towns in case of words are very hard. (laughs) Kluge County, which is in northwestern Romania. It's something along the lines of like Kluge. Kluge. Yeah, Kluge, maybe. It's only about three square kilometers, which is one square mile big. One square kilometers around. So to contribute to the creepy vibes of the forest, there are trees that grow in a particularly creepy way. And by creepy, I mean... They haven't seen trees grow like this. Maybe in some forests, I guess. They all go sideways in this forest. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it is odd. I wouldn't say necessarily <laughs> creepy, though. Mm-hmm. The creepiness goes on, though. It's not just how the trees grow. Okay. So <laughs> these trees, and it's not the end of the episode. Please keep listening. These trees grow crooked out of the ground and also twist and bend abnormally. There are those that believe that the forest serves as a portal causing disappearances. There is a local legend that tells of a young girl who disappeared into the forest. The town's search to no avail and she reappears five years later, unable to remember where she had been. Sometimes she said to still be seen wearing the same clean clothes and have no memory of missing time. And sometimes she said to be completely changed into a darker person. So that's one of the legends around this forest. And then there is another legend of a shepherd who vanished into the woods with his sheep. Like it was like a herd of like 30 sheep that he just vanished and was never seen again. Mm. Others report entering the forest and getting rashes, feeling nauseous, and just feelings of general anxiety when they enter into the forest. Didn't we talk about this with another episode being symptoms of like, I don't know if you could get this. Yeah, I don't know if you could get that in a forest. Uh, There could definitely be gases in the air that would cause symptoms like that, but I feel like Hmm. they would be known at this point. Like if it was on like a... Some sort of, I don't know, carbon monoxide deposit. I don't know. There are also a ton of UFO encounters that happen in this forest. What I'm sharing with you now, if you are looking at it, is a very famous photograph that was taken in this forest of a military technician who captured a famous photograph of a UFO hovering over the forest in 1968. So I feel like I've seen this before. Does he have any account to go with it? Or is it just the photo that survives? (laughs) Researching the haunted forest was a little bit difficult because I literally couldn't find much more than the information that I have in what I have. Okay. So I didn't find anything more to go with this photograph. I mean, the photograph goes with it to show because we have a photograph, but there wasn't many more accounts more than that and i mean that goes the same for the girl that vanished for five years and the shepherd that went missing with the sheep that's about all i could find on that okay and that's toya Baku forest i really hope i'm saying that right that's what i have on that one my next one is I'm going to be blessing you all with me just trying to pronounce things all night tonight. Aogikehera Forest. Do you know how to say this? Aogikehera. One second. Aogikehera Forest. Aokigahara. Mm-hmm. Aokigahara. That sounds way better. Forest in Japan. So I'm going to start off first. Maybe I should have started the episode with this one. There is a trigger warning on this, which is suicide. So please fast forward like five to ten minutes if you find the subject matter triggering. And please note that if you're struggling with thoughts of suicide, there are many resources available for help. Many available 24-7. So please feel free to reach out if you know someone or reach out for us if you need any resources. Um, So AO. Kigehara Forest in Japan is also nicknamed Suicide Forest. This is 35 kilometers of forest and it's located at the foot of Mount Fuji in Japan. And there are some actually pretty cool attractions that I would be really interested in other than all the suicide matter. So it has an ice cave that has ice year-round, a bat cave at the base of Mount Fuji, and a wind cave. But I don't know what a wind cave is and... I did not look into what is going on in the wind cave. 
because that's just what I do. I just state it and then I don't look into what it is. Have you ever been in a wind cave? I have been in a windy cave. Yeah, maybe that's it. A fact is that Eokigahara is the world's second most popular site for suicides after the Golden Gate Bridge. I didn't know that after before researching this. The last recorded record of deaths in the forest were in 2010, where police recorded more than 200 attempted suicides, of whom 54 completed the act. Local officials have since stopped publicizing the numbers in an attempt to decrease Aokigahara's association with suicide. So that was the last known time that they publicized any numbers in there. There are signs at some of the entrances and trailheads urging suicidal visitors to seek help and not take their own lives. And the signs read things like quotations, your life is a precious gift from your parents and please consult the police before you decide to die. I don't know that you would see something like that here. Interesting. And they're only in Japanese too. So it's strictly a local issue. Yeah, it is. People don't Um, travel there to commit suicide. Which I guess that's a lot of forethought for suicide, I guess. It is. So, yeah. And it's a lot. uh, I go into it a little bit. So, annual searches are conducted by police and volunteers since 1970. In the forest, you can find, depending on when you're visiting and it's if it's very close to before the police and volunteers go out, a sprinkling of clothing and letters throughout the woods, mostly letters to loved ones or something like that from people who go into the forest to take their lives. And because the forest is so thick, some bodies are not recovered. So it's very likely if you go into the woods, you could stumble upon somebody who has taken their own life. There are locals who blame the reputation of the forest with the forest association with the Yorei. That's probably not right, but I did my best. And that's what we're about doing our best. In Japanese mythology, as well as daemons. I just like to spice that word up here. (laughs) As our friend Mr. Crawley would do. And the evil and evil things. Part of this mythology was families bringing their elderly and sick to abandon in the forest in order to save food during times of famine. Then a book was written in the 1960s about two lovers who committed suicide within the forest walls. The suicides began to surge after this book was published. So you have a lot of things leading up to this (laughs) part that it gets such this massive association with suicide and death then there are japan's ghosts there's our ghosts that we covered in spooky lingo and then i just realized i'm not sure how i just realized this i guess i've never been looking into japanese ghosts but japanese ghosts are a totally different thing than what we covered in spooky lingo so that's also why like japanese horror films about ghosts are so significant Yeah, they're so different. And I never really realized why. I just thought maybe they had a crazier imagination because I just thought maybe ghosts were pretty much all the same no matter where you went. But they're not. That would be a pretty cool episode to do as well. I mean, that's where you get like gin and stuff like that. They're just different cultures describing, I guess, the paranormal. Yeah, it looks like it's got the kitsune, the oni, the onryo, the tengu, the yokai, and the yurei. Yeah, so I'm only covering this one because that's what's thought to be in this forest. Typically, the yurei don't hurt the living. However, they do come about in many ways. For example, not being laid to rest properly. The yurei can be dangerous and they are said to not be able to leave the world and will continue to wander if they die with a deep sense of hatred, anger, or sadness. Basically, they're tied to a very strong emotion that somebody was feeling at their time of death. And the Uray seek vengeance against those who wrong them in life. And not a whole lot can be done to stop them and are pretty much unstoppable until their desires are fulfilled. So whatever was causing that very strong emotion that they're feeling when they died, which when you look at somebody committed suicide, I would assume that they're doing it with a very strong emotion towards something, which makes sense. For example, mothers who come back to watch over their children or businessmen who may return in Japan to keep an appointment, <laughs> which is an yeah, example. That, that makes sense for their culture. <laughs> yeah. And most are bound to a specific site, just like we saw with like residual energies and spooky lingo. 
So you can see by this description why a forest such as a I forgot how to say it. Eogaharas. I maybe, closed it, so I can't remember how it's spelled. Maybe seen. That was a guess. I can't remember. Okay. I got completely wiped from my mind. So why this forest may be seen to be heavily haunted by the continu- continuity of suicides further perpetuate the legends of paranormal activity. It is believed that it is very bad luck for the array of suicide victims and their spirits are said to scream through the night and their bodies will move on their own. So not only this, but there are those that believe that the forest itself is a living specter who entices individuals into the forest and there have been reports of individuals being called by spirits to commit suicide. For example, there is a monk who has relayed this story to the New Zealand Herald saying that he had gone into the forest to set up an altar to try and combat the evil spirits they believe to haunt the forest, to which he said the spirits are calling people here to kill themselves, the spirits of people who have committed suicide before. Lots of people saying that the forest just calls to them. And there are also reports, like I said before, of phantom screams and apparitions that are, of course, spotted within the forest, of course, when you're seeing lots of suicide and when you can wander into a forest where there's still victims who are who have yet to be discovered. So that is the suicide forest in Japan. Just to add to that too, Japan has a very strange cultural relationship with suicides as well. Mm -hmm. In that they're not only less of a sin, like it's not necessarily a bad thing to do. There are certain situations for a long time in their culture where it was expected if this happened, you committed suicide. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that would, even with the samurais. Yeah. Yeah. The harikari or harikari or whatever it's called, where they would disembowel themselves if they lost a battle. Also, there's a long history of businessmen committing suicide because a deal goes south or the business didn't meet the expected goals. Yike. That's like seriously messed up in and a society. they have had a higher than expected suicide rate for a long time however it's come in line with the u.s and north america although the question really becomes did it really come in line or did north america's suicide rates go up significantly with issues in our own society probably that yeah and i would be interested not only with the suicide rates as dark as that may be, but to explore that more in an episode, I know we've spoken about it before with just like Japan in general and talking about things that they've been up to that we don't really talk about in society anymore. Yeah. But yeah, it's the, the big difference is that uh, suicide was always a sin in a Christian culture. Whereas no, I mean, it Japan, seems it like it's more honorable. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. That's really cutting your culture's lifespan short if it's something to be respected. Yeah, but at the same time, they had a booming population for a long time. True. Uh, They still do. Well, Uh, they they have an aging population now. Yeah. I think everybody does. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe not everybody. Yeah. (laughs) So from Romania to Japan, we're going to zigzag back across to Ireland. This is Northern Ireland. So this is Bally Bali Forest. Here's one I can say for certain. Well, probably not. It may be <laughs> completely, I might be completely saying it wrong. Bally Bali Forest located outside of Lairn in Northern Ireland. So as with all the forests that I have touched on in this episode, this forest has a long reputation dating back to records as far back as 300 BC. And scholars believe it was a meeting place for several Druid groups. Oh, this is my favorite one. Since the 15th century, having a spookier reputation of being a place where you enter and never leave and vanishing without a trace. And it is said that the Druids worshipped elementals and old pagan gods in this forest. The practices of Druids, among other pagan religions, included carrying out rituals, which included making human and animal sacrifices. And it is believed that the spirits of those sacrifices still roam the forest today and can be heard screaming. (gasps) Ghost horses? I think there are. Let us see. There are also Celtic 
Celtic tales that tell of the Druids using the altars to open up actual gateways to other worlds. There are remains of stone altars in this forest, circular trenches, and other ancient ruins would still remain. Relation to the actual Druids is to be announced. However, it is said that these ruins must have been an important place. That's all they say. Do they have a date on them at all? Maybe. (laughs) Not in my notes. They're very old. Hold on. 300 BC, I think. Okay. Did I say that? 300 BC. Yeah. There are still to this day eyewitnesses who report having encounters with four robe figures whose hoods hide their faces and vanish into thin air. And sometimes they're seen with burning torches and other times columns of smoke above the trees will be sighted with the figures to appear in conjunction with the smoke appearances. So this does remind me of something. And I'm just going to see if you can guess what this reminds me of. The smoke. Hmm. This whole thing of this forest. Of this forest. Immediately I thought of it. Are you, do you mean like missing 411 or like more specific than that? Well, yeah, more specific than that. At this point, we watched the episode of DuckTales entitled The Curse of Castle McDuck. Unfortunately, Disney and its legal team does not look kindly on the free use of its properties. Therefore, I am unable to show you any part of this episode. Please go watch it on your own on Disney Plus if you feel the need to do so. There is also a Hindi version on YouTube if that piques your interest. I really don't think the Druids scared off the McDucks. I feel it went the other way. They probably did, but that's all I could think about when I was reading about this and the Druids, and I was like, oh my god, the McDucks. <laughs> that's one of my favorite episodes, actually. So anyhow, back to Billy Ballybolly Forest, after we just enjoy that little two-second aside. Trip down memory lane. Yeah. There's also been reports of smoke rising from the remnants of the stone altars that are in the forest. And other encounters in the woods include the sense of being watched, sudden bounce of panic or disorientation, just like we saw in the Romania forest, I believe it was. Panic and disorientation, often accompanied by physical symptoms such as headaches, nosebleeds, nausea, dizziness, or fainting. So pretty much the same thing, which is kind of interesting sometimes these occurrences are reported together with missing time interesting or the witnesses suddenly finding themselves in another part of the woods completely without knowing how they got there there are also purportedly areas of the forest where you enter a zone where all forest sounds apparently cease to exist and you see this a lot with paranormal sightings when you're in nature i guess I've never really heard it when you're in a house that like all other sounds cease to exist. But anything that I hear in nature really comes along with you don't hear the wind blowing, you don't hear insects, you don't hear Birds. anything yeah. around you. It just kind of all ceases to exist in that moment. Also, Sasquatch sightings. However, in Ireland, he's called Grwatch. 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 Which is the hairy one. Obviously, as with our Sasquatch, he's a large, hairy ape like humanoid, but you should know that. So, if I mean, we don't need to say it, but go back to our cryptid episode and you can learn about it there if you don't know anything about Bigfoot. Campers report sounds of howls and wood knocking. And you know what I'll say? Again, go back, listen. Bigfoot we got gets some- creepy. Yeah, we got we got some good episodes on Bigfoot and wood knocking and even the not so creepy Bigfoot. We got some episodes. We got a few episodes. There are a few modern day reports of strange happenings in this forest. So in 2005, a high school trip in which they would hike and camp for a few days. They just went out and, you know, school trip. I never went on a school trip like this, but. At one point in the evening when campers began shouting that there was a light moving around in the distance, it was like it looked to them like it was like a hand lantern swinging as somebody walked and they thought that they might be lost. So they did go investigate just in case it was someone that needed help. There was nothing there. The group gathered around the campfire with hot chocolate after that encounter where they then spot forest figures holding torches, and then they vanish shortly after that. The group chalks it up to other campers playing a prank and decide to go to bed and decide to stick together and keep flashlights handy. 
to which some students woke up during the night to hear footsteps and the sounds of an abattoir, which I had to look up what that was. And that abattoir means slaughterhouse, like where they send cows and animals to be slaughtered in the distance. They say that you do hear sounds like this in this forest because of the altars where animals were sacrificed and it was also humans that were sacrificed on the altars as well so they say this is a part of the experience sometimes you hear these abattoirs in this forest which is super creepy like you would hear slaughterhouse sounds that's the end of that experience 1997 two men are hiking through the woods when they encounter flapping sounds and I don't, like, I don't know. Is that not, like, kind of normal, just having, like, birds around? You know what? And upon rereading this, which I don't know how much thought I put into it when I was typing it out, like, what would cause you to stop and be like, that's flapping? This is a disturbing Guys, flapping I sound. Flapping. It couldn't have just been a normal flapping. It would have had to have been an abnormal flapping to make so note like of it, too, right? too loud or, like, too like, slow? Oh, I can't answer that now. I'm just thinking about it now. In me just putting it out there in hindsight, because that's most of what my research is, I guess, is like processing it as I'm reading it, I guess. Would it be like Thunderbird flapping? I would stop I was thinking Thunderbird, Thunderbird flapping. Too. But at yeah. the same time, like when two birds fight, like they use their wings and fly. Uh, I would definitely stop. If I heard any sort of flapping. So maybe they just have a bird phobia like I do. Because I would stop dead in my tracks if I heard any sort of flapping. It could be a hummingbird and I would stop. All we know is it's not owls. Makes two sense. Because owls Gross. make no owls? sound when they fly. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Owls? I want to do an episode on owls. I also want to say, do you remember when we were growing up? There is At one point, there's an owl's nest behind our house and baby owls make the creepiest sound i don't remember that really that yeah. was awful they sound like i can't even describe the sound because i probably blocked it out forever but it's like the creepiest sound i know there are a lot of animals that just make truly disturbing sounds like cougars when they're yelling sound like a dying human yeah like these were disturbing i remember it and i don't know specifically what kind of owls we had just trust me to know that they screamed and it was like the creepiest thing in the world and we got derailed a lot there so flapping sounds <laughs> the men ignore it thinking it's the wind when the sound turns into a woman screaming in agony. So I find it interesting that connection with flapping turning into a woman screaming in agony because there's a lot of things that, and maybe I'm just tying it with the fact that I just was talking about owls, but there's a lot of things with owls and animals that is super inhuman that goes along with lots of abduction things, which yeah. that could also be a big derail on my point because this is about haunted forests and not abductions. Just drawing something that I find interesting there. I was just okay. thinking because we were just talking about cougars making a screaming sound too. I was just thinking because you're talking about a flapping and then a woman screaming. <gasps> could it have been was, a cougar attack? I googled cougars in Ireland and all I can get is dating websites. <laughs> so I don't think there's actual cougars <laughs> in, in Ireland per se. So there's only one type of cougars in Ireland? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so it couldn't have been a cougar. Okay, so the men pick up their pace, as you do when you hear something disturbing like this, when they found themselves quickly surrounded by trees with what looked like fresh blood covering the bark of all these trees. Then the screaming stops, and the men hurried to get out of the woods, to which they claim to see four hooded figures standing at the tree line. End story. Now, 19- do you think they were just there to reclaim the McDuck's castle? I have a feeling that is what all these stories are about. Okay. And we have a documentary with proof of that. We just watched it. That it was case. good. I would I would suggest you looking it up if you have not seen it. Yeah. The documentary is called The Curse of Castle McDuck. Duck Tales. Season two, episode one. Okay, good. I have it on my DVDs. I don't even know where they are, but I do have it. It's a solid episode. Also, one of the first posts on our subreddit was a dramatic oh, yeah. rendition of 
That was a really good dramatic reading. Really good. Five stars to that guy's too. Anything to do with DuckTales, really good. Really catchy theme song. Can't say enough good things about it. Next Witness. That was the end of that one. All to do with Castle McDuck. 1998. Witness Caroline was walking her dogs with her husband when they came upon a creature crouching behind a patch of dead trees. They say that they thought it was a human, but they saw it when it raised its head up and the dogs began to get agitated. They got closer to within about 15-ish feet of the creature and it reared up on its legs. It was very tall and carried a big stick. It ran so fast through the trees like it had done so a thousand times. And I don't know if this was a Bigfoot. Oh, this is quotes. But my husband didn't think we got these types of things in Ireland. The creature was described as being around eight feet tall and the face of a chimp and covered in dark brown hair. So this was probably, other than the suicide forest, one of my favorite forests. Bally Bally. It has a lot of stuff going on in there. And based on all this eyewitness accounts and things that were going on there, I probably never stepped foot in that forest. Is there any big populated cities near this one? The closest city to that one is Larn. L-A-R-N-E. Northern Ireland isn't huge. So I don't know how far away that would be from Belfast. It looks, just by looking at a map, it was probably within an hour of Belfast. Pretty much everything's within an hour, though, if you're Probably, yeah. Uh, Northern Ireland isn't that big. So with that up on the spike of our graph of forests leads me to, (laughs) we'll let us decide. I'm not going to steer this train. So I'm going to go to the Devil's Tramping Ground in North Carolina, which is located in Bear Creek, North Carolina. Here in the Devil's Trapping Grounds lies a circle of about 40 feet where nothing will grow. Not a thing. Give me an example of a thing that you would think might grow there, Taylor. Cucumbers. It does not. What? Nothing nothing will grow. It does not. They have tried cucumbers. Poison ivy. They tried it. Won't grow. What? Mm-hmm. Okay, surely bamboo will grow. No. Not even, let's use an example from my last episode, marijuana, our last episode. They've tried it. Nobody's talked about it. Tried it. Nope, nothing. (laughs) Won't even grow there. Well, you have me intrigued. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing. Nothing will grow there. It is said that nothing has grown within the circle for hundreds of years. And this place gets its name from being a place where it's alleged, alleged that the devil tramps. Hence its creative name. And he tramps through this barren circle and protects it or haunts it or paces around. Yes. He protects it? Does he have a certain love affair (laughs) with this dirt? Yes. He does not want cucumbers growing there. (laughs) Well, now I just don't understand his intentions. Yeah. But who are we to understand that? He protects it from anything growing there because he does not want things there. For what reason? We do not know. Because he's the devil. They've done like soil studies there? Probably. Okay. I think I might say something about it. Or maybe I just left it out because I wanted it to be more spooky than it is. I think it has a high salt content. (laughs) Anyhow, the devil. That salty bastard. (laughs) He's very salty. Depending on who you are talking about him, he protects it or haunts it or paces around in circles thinking of all the evil he or she could do. He's also reported to come here to dance. And I see he or she because I'm not sure what the devil's pronouns are. Could be they. I don't know. This odd circle is said if you placed an object into it, it would either disappear or be hurled out of it, no matter how heavy. Or animals will not cross or go near it. People have alleged that they have seen red glowing eyes coming from the circle at night. And strange things are purported to happen to those who spend the night and may be driven mad by doing so. A reporter did actually stay the night to disprove the story with his two dogs, only to report hearing ghostly footsteps circling his tent during the night. They just circled. They did not dance, though. So I'm just sharing my screen to show you. Did he say, like, they circled in a tramping manner or just He did not. He just, they circled in a circular manner. So here's the circle. It really just looks like somebody had a campfire there. Oh, it's like a perfect circle too. Yep. Well, not perfect, but like a fairly well-oriented circle. Yep. That's circle. That's the circle. circle. It looks like there was a campfire in the middle. 
I know it does, right? But that's the tramping grounds. I don't know about what this circle is. It's just like the residual tramping. I guess he, he had such a good dance that it just like went outwards. But that's it almost reminds me of a fairy circle. The, yeah. How mushrooms grow. But it, this one just doesn't go away. Like I said, it may have a high salt content, but I didn't put that in there because this was just for creepy. I don't want to disprove anything in this episode. Well, and to be fair, who are we to say that the devil is not in himself salty on the Exactly. He could be very fucking salty if he's the devil because who likes things that are that salty? Sinners. Yeah. I made quiches today and they were too salty and they were not a hit. So I may have been working with the devil on that one. Next forest, Dow Hill Forest in India, which also has an interesting history because I started looking into this and I had to look up what the hell uh, don't, this meant. Don't they all have interesting Yeah, histories. they do have interesting histories, but this is something that I just didn't know the reference for. And let me just see if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. About 29 kilometers from Darjeeling in West Bengal lies Kursiong. And within Kursiong lies Dow Hill, where many of the locals will say that they have witnessed a ghost. Or else I wouldn't have been talking about this right now. Is it the same ghost? It's not the same ghost. No. Okay, just this ghosts. Okay. different. Yeah, different ghost. I don't think that this is really pertinent to the story, but like I said, I found it very interesting nonetheless. And Kursiong is a hill station. Have you ever heard of hill stations before? No. And I find the ghost part interesting, but I also didn't know what a hill station is. And hill stations are something that goes along with India. So I did research this. Out of all the things I could have researched in this episode, a hill station refers to a city in which individuals will take refuge in during the summer heat in India. So most hill stations are at an altitude of approximately 33,000 to 82,000 feet in the air. So they're fairly high up and they're going to be cooler. Uh, above sea level, not in the air. Yeah, they're in the air from the sea. On the ground. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Above the sea level, on the ground, but in the air. Okay. <laughs> so this town has a long history going from the Lepcha people, the original inhabitants, then the Nepalese who annexed it, then the Furka war at the Titalea brought it back to Sikkim. Kursiong was also a favorite of the British, and while they liked its climate, they also thought it would make an excellent sanatorium and summer residence for the military. Dow Hill is purportedly one of the most haunted places in India. So haunted that one of the roads that runs through Dow Hill is named Death Road, which connects Dow Hill Road to the forest office. One of the most famous specters of this road, which had been spotted numerous times, includes a headless boy who disappears into the forest, and it is said that those who see him cannot forget him. The forest itself has numerous claims as well, included the feeling of constantly being watched or followed, attributed to several spirits said to roam the forest. Locals and visitors alike report vanishing red eyes watching them. A ghost of a woman dressed in gray who wanders around the forest. And of course, what haunted forest is complete without making people go crazy even after they have departed the forest and some committing suicide. I did see a story of a man who entered and when he left, still felt like there is something following him that came from the forest years later. There's also Did he live nearby? No. He visited oh. it on a trip and then he felt like something just like followed him out of the forest. Interesting. That's all I have on the story. Okay. There's also a hundred-ish year old school which sits near the Dow Hill Forest, the Victoria School for Boys, which is also very haunted. Legend has it that the high school has been the center of several untimely and unexplained deaths, and whispers can be heard as well as the sounds of running through the halls while the school is shut down for winter break, I believe they have there. Coming to an end here, I have a few honorable mentions. So first is the Black Forest in Germany, a.k.a. the Schwarzwald. The Black Forest gains its name from the dense fir trees, which make up the forest in which the light seems impossible to get through. There are tales of headless horsemen riding his white horse through the forest, a king who kidnaps women 
to take them to his underwater lair where he lays among the limps, nymphs, limps, like lymph nodes, nymphs, different than limps. They're very um, different. Yeah. Friendly dwarves, which might not be so creepy. I'm not sure how that got mixed up in there. Werewolves, witches, and the devil himself. And I think it's most notable creepiness in my research, which is why this came up so much, is that this is the scene in which many of the Brothers Grimm fairy tales took place with the Black Forest. So like Hansel and Gretel, Little Red Riding Hood, things like that all took place in the Black Forest. Uh, I would be curious if they were inspired by stories that have been told about the Black Forest or if it's kind of like after all this happened. You know what? Most of these I struggled finding actual and I don't know if it was a language barrier um, or it shouldn't be know. that big of a problem though in Germany. Like, it's yeah, not- I don't know if it was a language barrier or like, you know, when I what I ran into with researching Bigfoot with First Nations is a lot of oral tradition or like I said, language and it just not being translated into English, which you wouldn't think would be a huge thing on the Internet. But most of these, I could only find so much. And no matter how much I looked into specific stories or legends, I could not find any further You couldn't find the root or further stories. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I really did try. So what I'm putting is literally probably as much as I could find in it. Black Forest, that's as much as I could get. So I really think it was the Brothers Grimm which took it to that place. But Brothers Grimm is fairly interesting because there's a lot of even Cinderella, I think, is based on the Brothers Grimm. But they're actually really, really, really dark fairy tales, which they come from, which is funny that they're adapted into Disney movies and children's stories, but they're very dark stories, which originate a lot of the scenes are from the Black Forest. They are very dark, but the reason that Disney used a lot of them is because they hit public domain. Oh. They never had to pay anybody to use the story. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Great job, Disney. And that's how Disney's worth so much and why all of their things are copyrighted to hell. Yeah. Because they took it from somewhere else. The last one I have. So this one is the Witchwood Forest in England. What part of England? Not sure. This forest is 1,240 acre north of Whitney in Oxfordshire. Okay, that's where it is. It has a super long history. It houses long barrows, which are a style of monument. So they show the area was settled from at least 3000 BC, which dates to the Neolithic period. The area was a part of a Roman road network crossing Aikman Street, which is a Roman road in southern England, approximately 117 kilometers long, which I think is important. Anyhow, after the decline of Roman control, it was put back to woodland and then it was used as royal hunting grounds. A cool little aside, this is the only reason that I left this one in here. Because I thought it was pretty cool. There is a brewery named after the forest called Witchwood Brewery. And the labels depict characters and myths and legends from the forest, which I've had before. Have you seen this? Hobgoblin. Yeah. Is the brewery located in the UK? So I'm pretty sure I've had this one before. So they all come from legends around this forest. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is really cool. So legends in the story in this forest include Amy Robsart, the wife of Earl of Leicester, broke her neck and died under unexplained circumstances. Much later in life, Earl returned to the woods to go hunting and encountered Amy's ghost who told him that he would be joining her. He then fell sick and died. It is legend that those who see Amy's ghost will meet a similar fate as Earl. There are also those who report hands touching them, hearing the sound of running horses, and the apparition of children crying in a horse-drawn carriage that has also been sighted on numerous occasions. Oh man, that's just so many horse ghosts that I didn't (laughs) know about. I thought there was just the one. There's been a few. Are you talking about the Fairmont in Edmonton? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, horse ghosts in there. And yeah, that's my haunted forest. And it's seeming to me like pretty much every forest is probably haunted at this point. But those are the more notable on them. My favorite one, uh, actually, there's a few good ones in this episode. I really liked, though, Bally Bally, the Druids. I was not expecting to hear about a Bigfoot. Yeah, it that one really had it all. It had Druids, it had altars, Bigfoot, flapping. Yeah, a a flapping Bigfoot, which would actually make a lot of sense if the Bigfoot gets weird. 
It would. Did we hear about flapping in that one? Yeah. Flapping and a woman screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Both make sense with a Bigfoot gets weird. Yeah. So that's my haunted forest episode. I hope I, you. Yeah. And I do like to think that all forests are haunted. It's just mm -hmm. that they are haunted by ghost trees. And yeah. And they are a very mundane haunting. The trees of Christmas past. Yeah. And I mean, at least fairies and stuff. Fairies actually never came up in this. I always suspected that fairies and like nature spirits would be in forests, but they didn't even come up. Aside from the hobgoblin on the beer, that was it. Yeah, and they will come up at a different point. This was just specifically haunted forests, not yeah. like fairy riddled forests. Yeah, Because I would not... like to do an episode on fairies at one point. Yeah, we will get there one day. Fairies and elves. Yeah. I always like the cultural lore behind the Japanese haunted forest, despite the fact there's nothing really that haunted about it. I don't know. I don't feel like I would even go into that forest being the connotation. It's just got bad mojo. It's not even a connotation. It's just, you know, the straight up world truth that is going on in there. I don't feel like I go in there. I feel like even without there being ghosts and stuff there, but then you bring that type of ghost into it where you think of people committing suicide and you would think they would be very much tied to high emotion to get to that point, like sadness or regret or something like that. And you think of that, what are they called? The ure? Ure. ure. Yeah. And just the fact that they're tied to emotion and unfinished business to come back until they finish this business and there's like basically no stopping them it really makes sense yeah but it was pretty eye-opening to read like there's different ghosts than the typical the, ghosts that i talked about. Know about yeah 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 so that was kind of cool to learn because i'd never heard about that before yeah well i chelsea great research on this episode thank you listeners for tuning in for this haunted month stay tuned for next week where we'll be talking about Yes, and beyond, but particularly next week where we'll be talking about the haunting of humans and what the Christians had decided to do about that. <gasps> oh, we're going to do that one. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thanks well, that's for stopping it. by, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, everyone have a beautiful day. Don't be too scared. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode.